Hey, I wanted to let you know I am releasing a book this spring, this April, actually. It's my very first book, and it is so near and dear to my heart. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And I truly believe it will encourage and equip you to navigate faith, desire, intimacy, and relationships free from shame and fear and with a holistic and biblical vision. I would be so grateful if you snagged a copy. You can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon.com or Kindle, Audible, Barnes & Noble, or honestly, anywhere you purchase books. When you pre-order it, please send me an email at social at therefinedwoman.com because I would love to send you some free goodies and resources as a thank you. All right, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. Thank you so much for being here today. And a special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio for being a faithful sponsor of The Refined Collective Podcast. Thank you for letting me use your studio your incredible equipment, the amazing engineer and producer, Joe, who just makes this podcast a possibility. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center in New York City. Today is a solo show. It's you and me, babe. Just you and me. (laughs) And this is an episode that could turn into more episodes if you want it to. I have about five of these planned, but I really want to see and hear your thoughts on this series before I do more of them, okay? This is a both-and relationship here. This podcast isn't just me putting out what I want to put out. This is a relationship. And so I am here, I am listening. And if you like this episode, let me know on social media, The Refined Woman. You can email social at therefinedwoman.com, give us some feedback. And yeah, let's get into this. My whole life, I have been surrounded by really strong, independent, driven women. My gaga, my dad's mom, was a realtor and business owner and constantly starting new business ventures when my dad was a child. So in the 60s, when It was Betty Homemaker and Archie Bunker lifestyle. My Gaga was pounding the pavement for work. And she was married and wanted that. And then my grandma, 
my mom's mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she married my grandpa, who was in the Air Force, and they traveled all over the world. My mom was actually born in the Philippines on a base in the 50s, and my grandma primarily solo raised her four children because my grandpa was off in wars. And she also was this incredible artist. And she would sketch for brands like Halston or the Sunday newspaper, the fashion. So before there were photo shoots for Gap and J. Crew, they were sketches in the newspaper. And my grandma did that on the side. And then we have my own mom. My mom is a fiery, passionate, opinionated woman. And when my parents got divorced and she didn't have a college degree, she took care of and provided for her four children almost single-handedly with a part-time job working retail, making, I think she made five or six dollars an hour. She taught herself how to invest into the stock market and is this incredible, incredible woman. And so strong women run in my DNA. I am a strong woman. If you've listened to this podcast or followed me for any length of time online or know me in person, you know that. I am a woman of strength. I do not hide in the shadows. I am out there. I have things to say. And that is who I am. It's in my legacy. It's in my DNA. But for so much of my life and so much of my career, my femininity has felt like a liability. As a photographer and business owner in the fashion industry for over a decade, I've experienced the pain and the injustice of what it is to be a woman in a very male-dominated industry. And even though the church is supposed to be countercultural, I've often found a similar narrative that in the church, my femininity also has felt like a liability. There have been times where because I am a woman, I have felt less than. I have felt as though my opinion mattered less than those of the men in the room. And I have experienced not getting the same opportunities as men in the church because I am a woman and then add to that being a single woman on top of that. And I share this not saying this is every woman's experience of being in the church or in the career space, but this has been my experience. And it almost felt as though to be a Christian, I had to start to downplay who God created me to be, the strong, opinionated, loud leader of a woman. And I played the game for a long time. And we play the game until we no longer play the game, right? So I finally got to a point in my life where I wanted to search the scriptures for myself and figure out outside of what I have culturally experienced and outside of the norms in the church, is there a third way? Is there another option? Is there an option that my womanness, my femininity, instead of it feeling like a liability, what if it could be my greatest asset? What if it's actually my secret sauce? 
not to downplay men or masculinity, but what if we need both equally? So I started to search through the scriptures and I found these incredible, powerful, purposeful women who were taking names and leading in their communities and using their voice for influence. And what I found is that actually God is really for women. And so today I want to walk you through one of my favorite women in scripture. Her name is Hannah. And Hannah was diligent in the face of opposition. So if you want to pause this and read 1 Samuel chapter 1 and the Old Testament of the Bible, do that because that's where I'll be sitting with in the next few minutes. And 1 Samuel 1.19 is going to be our anchor throughout. And that verse is, and God remembered Hannah. Here's the first thing you have to know about Hannah. Her epic debut in scripture is a declaration of her barrenness. Now, for any woman who has ever struggled with infertility, you know the pain is as deep as it is wide. For your infertility to be on public display and how you're introduced to the world is gut-wrenching. And Hannah lived in a cultural moment where women had no voice, no say, in the home, in the city center, in politics, nothing, no voice or rights. And women often went from living under their father's roof to entering into a marriage contract and placed under the authority of a husband. Marriages rooted in mutual love, honor, and respect in that time simply were not a thing. Marriage was a business deal. And in that, women had a role to uphold to keep house and produce a male heir for their husband. Without producing an heir, Hannah was literally wasted space. She lived in a small town on top of that. And if you know anything about small towns, it's this. Everyone knows your business. (laughs) Not only is her infertility probably the most tender and painful part of her story, it's also the thing that could land her on the streets or force her into slave labor. Now, there's also another woman in the picture here. Elkanah, Hannah's husband, has two wives. This other woman had no problem having children, and she made it her mission to throw salt into the wound of Hannah's heartache. She provoked and taunted Hannah endlessly for who she wasn't and what she couldn't do. And Hannah was heartbroken over that and depressed and bitter and her pain became enmeshed with her identity. Now, can you relate to that at all? What if your biggest heartbreak, your biggest source of shame and insecurity is the thing that everyone knew about you? It's the thing that was first talked about when your name was brought up and then the people in your house, your family made fun of you for it. What would a life like that feel like to you? Maybe you've lived a life like that. Well, each year, Hannah's family would go to the house of God for worship and offer sacrifices to the Hebrew God. Year after year after year, early in the morning and late into the night on these trips, Hannah would find herself in the throne room of God on her face 
crying out to God for a child. She's bargaining with God and is begging God for a miracle. And it says she weeps bitterly. Like this is a woman who is tired of asking God for the breakthrough and the same thing over and over and over again, only to be met with silence and no breakthrough. Whether it's taking a walk around your neighborhood, running errands, or venturing out on your own, you always want to feel safe. With Birdie, you can keep doing what you love with added peace of mind. Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry and simple to use. When activated, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing light to help deter an attack. Birdie is no danger to you, so you can feel total confidence using it. And it comes in fun colors too, so you'll actually want to carry it. Buy your Birdie today for a safer tomorrow. She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash refined. That's she's Birdie spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash refined for 15% off. Now, one time she'd been praying for so long and so hard, the priest of the house of God, his name is Eli, notices her. And her posture is so jarring that he publicly rebukes her for being drunk. But the thing is, she hadn't been drinking. She was just a woman desperate for God to break through into her life and circumstances. Because women had so few rights, even if the accusation were false, it would have been appropriate for Hannah to bow her head in submission to the priest to avoid further shame to her name and household, she should have just left the house of God quietly, no words spoken. But she didn't. She stood up to Eli for herself and her cause. This interaction would have been scandalous. But instead of condemnation, her boldness moved Eli's heart to compassion. He even says, I'm on your team. And he blesses her for her faithfulness and is believing with her for God to answer her prayer for a child. And nothing magical happens in that moment. I feel like the Hollywood version of that would be, and she got pregnant immediately. Well, no, she didn't get the miracle, but something on the inside shifted for her that day in the house of God. Hannah leaves the tabernacle that day. And yeah, she doesn't have her breakthrough, but the fog of depression is lifted. And I know that fog of depression. I know that feeling of waking up in the morning and feeling so heavily as the blanket and fog of depression on my body. It almost feels like I can't get out of bed. And to have that follow me and weigh me down throughout my existence, throughout my day, Oh my gosh, when the moment comes where that is lifted, oh, I feel like a new person. Have you ever experienced that moment when the heaviness lifts? Maybe you don't get that prayer answered, but the heaviness lifts and that feels just as important. I think there's something powerful that happens when another human meets us in our pain and sees us and holds on to hope with us. And Eli did that with Hannah, but she had to have the courage 
to call him out and say, no, actually your accusation of me is untrue. Here's what I'm here for. She had to be bold and use her voice provocatively in a culture where she should have been submissive and quiet and not had an opinion. Yet her breakthrough came when she stepped into boldness. As she leaves the house of God, the depression has lifted and Hannah, her husband Elkanah, and the rest of the family return home. And the scripture says that God remembered Hannah and in due time bore a son. That's 1 Samuel 1, 19. And Hannah calls her son Samuel, which in Hebrew means God heard or God hears. She wanted to speak breakthrough and possibility over her son every time she or anyone else for that matter spoke his name. Hannah understood the words we speak have the power to speak life or death or possibility over ourselves and the world around us. So when she considered the biggest breakthrough in her life, a barren woman who could not have a child to get that breakthrough, she wanted everyone to know, you guys used to know me for what I didn't have. And now you get to know me, my child and my legacy for my breakthrough, for how God showed up in my life. God heard me. And sometimes we have to see it to believe it. And so by her declaring, God hears every time she speaks her son's name is a reminder to anyone else waiting for the breakthrough and for the miracle who is tired and bitter and exhausted of holding on to hope. You can see Hannah's breakthrough and say, wow, if God did it for her, is it possible that God could do it for me? That's the possibility Hannah's speaking over her son every time anyone says his name. Hannah's greatest source of pain became the access point for her biggest breakthrough and healing testimony to the world. And the story doesn't even end there. At the end of Hannah's life, she didn't have just one child, but six. Hannah is a woman who is defined by her pain. She was bullied relentlessly and should have been punished severely for not being able to uphold the societal role she was supposed to play. Yet against the odds, she was still faithful. She was diligent in the face of opposition and owned her voice and desire unapologetically. What desire in your heart Are you dismissing, pretending isn't there that you have let go of because to hold on to it feels too painful? What is that desire? What would happen if you, despite the odds, leaned into hope? Because Hannah did a lot of things imperfectly, but she perfectly and perfectly held on to hope. And God met her there. God honored her heart lifted the depression, and burst forth with a bigger miracle than she could have ever happened. Because a barren woman, her biggest dream is to just have one child, and she got six. You see, God hears us. And God doesn't remember us the way we remember things. I remember before I go to bed, oh, I need to send that email in the morning. And before I close my eyes to sleep, 
that thought has left the station. And the next morning I'll think, I I remembered something before I went to bed last night. And, oh, what was that thing? Oh, well, I guess I'm not doing that thing. That's not what happens when God remembers us. When God remembers us, God is moved to compassion and action on our behalf. And we see that woven throughout Hannah's story. Our prayers don't go into the abyss. And I don't understand how it all works. I don't understand how prayer works with the sovereignty of God. But what I know is this, in stories like Hannah and over and over and over again in the scriptures, we see the heart of God being moved by the cries of his people. So let me ask you this. Maybe just spend some time reflecting on these questions, pause and jot them down as I speak them out. What's the most painful part of your story? Imagine that's the thing that everyone in town knows you for. What does that feel like for you? What would that feel like for you? In what ways do you think Hana exhibits strength as a woman? In what ways is Hana's femininity her greatest asset? And what is the thing in your life you are begging God for? The breakthrough that feels impossible. I want to invite you to spend some time journaling and in prayer, laying out those cries of your heart before God and trusting that you are connected to the God who remembers you and is moved to compassion on your behalf. You see, what I found the more I went to the scriptures is a narrative from the first page to the last page that God is for women. And that strong, powerful, dynamic, bold, going against the cultural and religious grain of their time, women are an active part of the God story. So strong women run in my legacy and strong women run in my DNA. And so this idea that I felt culturally and in my career and even in the church that my femininity was a liability, I realized that's a lie. The best thing I can be, the best person I can be is to be the strong woman, like the strong, brave women that came before me in my own personal family and in the family of scripture. All right. So this is my first episode like this, strong women run in our DNA. I have a few more that I could do, but I first want to check in with you. Do you like an episode like this? Is it helpful for you? Does it feel too Bible study-like or too sermony? <laughs> Whatever your thoughts are, I would love to know. This stuff, I, I love learning about the heart of God for women throughout the pages of scripture. It's so encouraging to me. It's been life-changing and transformative. So if this is something you want to hear more about, if you want to hear another episode of Strong Women Run In My DNA, share this episode, write a review on iTunes and say that you liked it. Email me, socialatherefinedwoman.com. DM me at The Refined Woman and let me know this is a series you want to continue. One more thing. I want to give a special thank you to our Patreon community. We just recently hit 100 patrons. Patrons? <laughs> I don't even know how to say that. And can I tell you that your financial support means so much to me? The fact that 
you would go to our Patreon and join. Just thank you. Thank you for catching the vision for this podcast. Thank you for helping keeping our quote unquote lights on, helping me pay my team. It means the absolute world to me. If you would like to join our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the refined collective and you can join for as little as $5 a month. And I also drop a lot of exclusive content. So every week I do an exclusive Patreon video based off what my patrons, I can't say that word, (laughs) what my patrons are asking me to talk about. So everything from home tours to my dating life to walking through doubt in my faith. It is me taking back the curtain of my life and making it available to you guys. So if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, patreon.com slash the refined collective. And regardless, you're welcome here. So thank you for listening. All right. Until next time. See you soon. Introducing Allbirds new Wool Runner 2. Redesigned to redefine comfort. Extra cushioning offers a plush ride and premium materials deliver a cozy fit. Go to allbirds.com and use code FRESH24 for a free pair of socks with purchase today.